Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Hello and welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. This is episode number 45 and I am Susan, your host. And today we are going to be talking about editing and revising teaching methods And this is from my experience as mostly a primary teacher in like the K through second grade space. But if you're an upper elementary teacher, you might find this beneficial as well. So the first thing I want to talk about is what exactly is the difference between editing and revising? So when it comes to talking about teaching writing, I feel like editing and revising get lumped together as almost the same thing, but really they're very different methods to looking at a finished piece of writing. So revising is when we look at our finished writing and we aim to make it sound better. So it's a little unusual for me when I think about it in terms of like, you always want to check your spelling mistakes and things first, like that seems more natural, but really in the writing process, you teach revising and then editing. So revising comes, the first thing you do when you're ready to publish, you go back and you reread your story and you look for ways to make it sound better. So I like to tell my students throughout the writing process that our goal is to get our readers to picture our words in their heads. So revising is just a way of making these pictures more vivid for our readers. Now, as I teach my writing units, which are personal and fictional narratives, those are one together, (laughs) but they're kind of separated. So it's like two units within one of the narrative writing space. Then I have informative and opinion. So as I teach these writing units, the revision process is adapted to what unit I am teaching. So for example, when I'm talking about fiction writing, we're using revising to look for writing that is descriptive with our settings and our characters, for example. Now, when we are writing opinion pieces, we revise and we look at our introduction and supporting details as well. And that's very specific to like opinion writing because I'm not teaching introductions and supporting details within my fiction writing. So as I change those writing units, what I'm looking for in expectations of how I'm revising is changing as well. Now, because I thrive on keeping things very consistent in my teaching, I have several key points we look at when we're revising any type of piece. So no matter what genre we're studying, we're still looking at these exact things when we're revised. So the first one is adding details. And when I talk about adding details, this is where it kind of changes depending on the type of writing. So a detail in fiction writing, again, was be like the setting and the characters. A detail in opinion writing is going to be about like the hook and the introductions and 
it continues like that throughout my different writing pieces. The second thing when we're revising is we're removing any unnecessary words. So if we've thrown in an extra word that doesn't need to be there, maybe we caught ourselves repeating too many times, this is where we're looking at removing those words. The third thing is changing words. This is where I talk about things like synonyms and vivid verbs. What can we look at in our writing to change a word to kind of spice it up, make it sound better? And last is moving words around. This doesn't happen too often in my second grade class. I found it happened a lot more when I taught first grade. And this is where kids kind of transpose their words So they might say, like my, instead of, well, that's a bad example. They might say my like instead of like my. So they need to kind of do the little transposing symbol, and then they'll flip those words around. So I don't really go into a lot of detail on that because, like I said, it doesn't happen very often, but it is kind of a nice revision symbol to kind of teach students to kind of be on the lookout for. Now, when you keep the basis of the process the same throughout the year, the students will begin to naturally remember what to do. So then it's just a matter of teaching the different details that make each style of writing unique. Which brings us to editing. So editing is when we look at our finished writing piece and we edit it to make the writing more clear and kind of clean up any mistakes. So this is the time to check for spelling and punctuation. Like I said, it does kind of naturally seem backwards because the first thing kids always want to do when they go to look at their writing is fix any mistakes. Like that to them is just the most natural thing to do. And it's probably natural for us as adults too, right? When I type something in a text message, I'm not saying, hmm, how do I change out that word and make it sound better? Can I use a vivid verb to send to my friend? (laughs) No. I'm saying, okay, look, I spelled that wrong. Let me fix it, right? Well, nowadays, autocorrect will do that for me. But that is our natural inclination. So it's the writing process, I think, is a little bit hard because it's taking that natural inclination inclination and it's kind of flipping it around. So anyway, editing is when we're looking at fixing mistakes. And just like with revising, I teach my students the exact same process every single time we edit a piece. So we're looking for number one, spelling mistakes. Again, it's four things. Number two is our ending punctuation. Number three is our capitalization And this we usually concentrate on capitalization in the beginning of the words, but as we move through the school year and we start talking about capitals for holidays and names, then we're looking for those as well. And last but not least, number four, is we're adding to our work to help it make sense. So kind of like the transposing example, Maybe they need to add an additional word in their sentence to make it make sense. Maybe they forgot a helping verb. So this is where they're just doing that little carrot. They're adding in that one extra word to make their sentence more smoothly, run more smoothly or something like that. (laughs) Okay, so when should I teach revising and editing? So second graders... I hope, are arriving to my class with a basic grasp of how to write a story. So they know a story, in the general sense, has a beginning, middle, and end. So I just like to take a few weeks at the beginning of the year to establish my routines for our writer's workshop time. So in that time, I'm teaching them, you know, what their folder looks like, 
getting out their right supplies, what tools are specific to Writer's Workshop, what exactly are we learning in Writer's Workshop, how do we sit and listen to the teacher during instruction. So all those very basic lessons is what I'm teaching the first few weeks. I'm not even really starting to talk about the writing craft, more so just the writing process. So, okay, today we're going to brainstorm. We're going to make a plan for our writing. And then the next day, maybe we use our plan to start writing our story. And this is the same process that will continue throughout the school year. So it's setting them up for initial success. So they have success later on. Now, after a few weeks of this, we start diving into the first writing unit, which for me is narrative writing. And in narrative writing, I like to break it apart, like I mentioned earlier, into personal and then fiction. So we begin with personal narrative because I feel like it's easiest for students first coming into your classroom to write I stories, right? I love my friends. My friends are. I love my family. This is my family. And they're writing about those things because it comes very naturally to them. So I like to start with that and build that sense of pride that they can do this. And that's why I start with the personal writing first. So since editing and revising is part of our publishing during the writing process, I like to teach revising and editing when we are choosing our first piece to publish. So how often should students edit and revise? Now, I like to model my writing lessons off of how authors practice their writing craft. And as someone that likes to dabble in creative writing for fun, this really appeals to me. So when writers write, they don't publish everything they write. I have notebooks and old computer stories written of all kinds of stories I've created before, but they're not published. And writers do that. You know, they fall in love with the story and they work on that story and they work on that story and they work on that story. And that might be the story that leads them to publish. Other times they write a bunch of stuff that they think is horrible, that they never want to see the light of day. And they file that somewhere like I do because we don't want to get rid of our writing, but we hold on to it. We reread it once in a while. And then we think to ourselves, oh, what was I thinking? And we put it away again. So not to dive completely off (laughs) off topic here, but so a writer doesn't publish every single thing they're writing, right? They're this, a book that they're writing isn't going to be a book for everything, right? Hopefully, (laughs) unless they're really extremely talented and lucky, but most of our days of writing is just practice. Same thing with the regular author. We're just practicing leading up to when we have that finished published piece. And in my class, that generally takes a few weeks before we're ready to start having a finished piece for publishing. So our finished pieces will be put through the publishing process, which for us, of course, begins with revising and then editing. So in my publishing process, I call it revising, then we edit, And then we do, you know, our nice fancy copy or whatever you want to call it. We're all give them a separate piece of paper and in their best handwriting, they publish it or they're typing it on the computer. They're creating a PowerPoint presentation, whatever it might be for publishing and what that looks like. That is my publishing process. So what can I do to prevent confusion between revising and editing? Because even adults can become confused about the difference between revising and editing. 
Now, I like to teach them on separate days to kind of eliminate this confusion. So when we're first learning how to revise, it might take us a couple of days to go through the process of checking our work. The same with when we go to edit. So having students go through each step, revision first, and then editing on different days can help prevent confusion. Students will be focused on just one of those tasks each day, either editing or revising, but not both. And really you want to do revising and then editing, but <laughs> now the other way to prevent confusion is to use different colored pens for each step. So I like to use blue for revising and then red for editing. And I got that, I believe, from Lucy Calkins or maybe it was somebody else. I tend to look at many different pieces and then kind of like pull them together into my own version. And I started doing red and blue pens, gosh, probably my second or third year of teaching. So I'm not exactly sure who I got that from. I just know that I did use Lucy Calkins at that time. So perhaps it's from her. I know it's super common. Um, a lot of teachers use red for editing, and I like the blue for revision. So this also helps students recognize that there's a separate process because they're getting a different colored pen. So it's kind of like switching their brain into like the mode of like, okay, blue pen, now I'm ready to revise. Oh, red pen, now I'm ready to edit. So it's just having that distinction that's going to help them transition and remember better which one goes with which. Now, something I didn't mention is you can also make sure you have checklists for both. That kind of helps eliminate confusion. So teaching them on separate days, having them go through the process on two separate days, and then having separate checklists. So not lumping in your revising and your editing on one checklist, but you're giving them separate pieces of paper or looking at separate anchor charts to go through that process. So now that you've listened to all of that, I wanna know how are you going to change your revising and editing teaching methods to better suit your students or better suit your process of teaching writing? I would love to hear any comments you have. So feel free to visit the sharedteaching.com blog and leave a comment on this post. Bye for now, and thanks for listening. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes, so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. Podcast.